spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I have a dream that at moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I have dreamed waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass. More years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins. Where it all came from since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Hi, it's Andien from Spoken Label. Thank you today for streaming or downloading another episode of Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up on beginning of the 2016 and as of speaking has currently nearly 300 sessions. The full archive is available on Spoken Label full stop bandcamp.com although it is available for free for stream and download if you wish i am always grateful for any sort of kind of donation to enable to me to keep the running costs this podcast going and enjoy take care bye-bye spoken hi guys and the end spoken able back in the house on a sunny afternoon i've had trouble with the laptop today so this is going to be an interesting experience <laughs> i hope it holds up so but anyway we're over to eccles pardon me eccles today and it's nice work. I've got a localist gentleman with me, and he doesn't live that far from where I work, actually, in the day, dreaded day job. But um, he's new to Manchester, but he has lived here before. And he's been in London for the past couple of years. Now, I'm not... He's just trying to teach me how to pronounce his surname, and I'm not... I think I'm going to get it wrong again, so I'm just going to call him Dean. I'll let Dean introduce himself to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> over, to, over to you, mate. Okay, Dean? I know we've been chatting on Facebook and bits pieces for a while. So, obviously, introduce yourself to everybody. Tell them, obviously, who you are, where you come from originally, and a bit about your background. We'll start from there. Perfect. Will do. Thank you very much, Andy. And I do appreciate, yeah, you uh, using up your internet for this because uh, it's been a bit tumultuous. I really appreciate it, mate. Um, but yes, uh, my name is Dean Rettrick. Um, I'm a very proud working class poet, uh, originally born in the Midlands in Hereford. Um, I moved to Manchester in 2012 and uh, I lived there for about six, seven years. Unfortunately, got laid off at my job. Uh, I was working at a steel factory in Altrium and ended up uh, trying my luck in London for four or five years. And now I'm very happy to be back in Manchester, which I feel is my home. Um, very much enjoying Eccles. And yeah, um, regarding um, my poetry, I've... Uh, I mean, I'm sure you've had guests who've done this before, but I don't have an MA or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not trained, if you like, as some of uh, the more lofty poets might call it. But um, I played in several bands for several decades. I always enjoyed writing song lyrics. I enjoyed writing screenplays, short stories and things like that. And I just happened to stumble into poetry by finding some amazing sort of independent poets um, not the type you particularly learn about in school, not that they really taught poetry in our school anyway, but from there I developed a love of poetry that was a little bit outside of the sort of mainstream stuff you'd find particularly, well at the time anyway, maybe it's a bit more mainstream now, and um, yeah, uh, at the moment I'm um, here and uh, very happy to be here, so thank you very much Andy for having me again mate. Yeah, no, it's interesting because we were talking, I know we were talking before because I know obviously from talking, reading up on you, a lot of your works come from your love of music really, hasn't it? So and it's like it's you said before about band, band and bands and stuff. So, what music did you grow up listening to with them? 
it, it did come from that originally. Yeah, it's it's an old thing. Because I know poetry, obviously, people say it's so lyrical, but um, it's not something I particularly, I think, fall in love with the lyrical poets or anything. But there, there's a huge comparison to music. Uh, when I was a kid, obviously, um, I think everyone tries to deny this, but I listened to whatever was on the radio, you know, but the you know, Spice Girls or whatever, Michael my, my Jackson, <laughs> things like that. Oh, um, gosh. My, <laughs> yeah, that's where, my, that's where my influence comes from, the Spice Girls. There you go, done. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's, my, uh, no, you do you do realise I'm going to write this up now for everyone listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, no, I mean, it was a music class. I mean, my mum loved uh, Motown and Elvis. My dad was huge into punk rock, which is where I developed my love of punk. Um, I remember bunking off school one day in primary school. No one was home, and I found his old vinyl. And I remember playing um, Holiday in Cambodia by the Dead Kennedys. I don't know if you oh. know that song, Andy. Finally, yeah, I do actually. Yeah, yeah, I do. I was in a band with somebody that uh, that actually met Jello Biafra once actually, and he said he was. I'm not going to repeat what I'm going to say on Mike, but he was. A mate said to me he was an interesting character. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, I mean that's that band itself. Um, I mean, I don't know about you, but obviously we all have that one experience. But that was my first experience of music that had some sort of a visceral reaction within me because the way he sang terrified me. And it actually gave me nightmares. And I'd never heard guitars like it. And I became a little bit obsessed with punk rock. And I'd go from all my dad's old cassettes. Um, but for me, in terms of when I started finding my voice writing and things like that, it was, oh, bloody, it was pretentious as that sounds, finding your voice. But, uh, <laughs> it was very much that sort of young 90s rebel I sort of found, you know, this is, doesn't sound rebellious, but it was for me, obviously. I'd like Weezer, who I really enjoyed their first couple of albums, early Green Day, uh, a lot of American punk bands like Bad Religion, um, Dillinger 4, Rancid, um, No FX, and all these American bands came up and I, they were sort of really, you know, <laughs> really pissed off at the world. And um, they had a lot to say, whether it was about anything from heartbreak to a little bit about government stuff. But I just really connected with that. And from there, obviously, I started um, playing in some really terrible punk bands. But bloody hell, we had a good time. Um, you know, oh, wait, wait, what, we, we've all done them. I've done them before now, to as well. So uh, first band I was in, oh, God, I was 18, was what, 30 odd years ago. And we were called After Midnight. And we were like... <laughs> Bloody awful. Bloody awful. A goth metal <laughs> band, right? I had um, my hair, I had a big wig on, and I remember this, and I'm, we were doing really bad um, cure, cure imitations, right? Oh, God. I had a 26-inch waist, and I was had leather, tight leather pants on all the time. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> no, I know what you mean about terrible first band. You do, don't you like it? I think it's that age, you just got to do them, haven't you? So. It is, and, you know, it's, it's kind of... This is only my point of view, again, as somebody who's not particularly trained in poetry, if, if that term works. But there's something quite romantic about that old punk rock attitude that I take with poetry is, you know, there might be 20 people in the crowd and 10 of them don't give a damn. But like, it's, it's still wonderful fun and there's something wonderful about it. And, you know, you might get one person coming up to you after the gig going, hey, that was pretty good. And they go, ah, there you go. It's all worth it. But yeah, um, nothing like getting in a van and playing in front of eight people, getting ripped off for a payday you were promised at the door and all that. It's, it's all very, it's all very good fun. It's all part of it. <laughs> oh yeah. No, it's got to be, it's got to be done definitely with that one. So no, I agree with you completely. I will say so. Andy, if you, if you do have any evidence of that, um, that band, please do post it online somewhere. I'd love to see I've only got the lyrics and they're basically just very, <laughs> they're very bad um, Joy Division ripoffs, right? So and I'll probably get sued if they end up publishing them. Publishing them so best not, best not, as I would say, mate. <laughs> that's right, anyway, yeah, mate. That's to what you make. So. Was... Sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah, was very much my, uh, my early stuff was pretty much the same. I mean, it was very very bad lyrics that ripped off a lot of the bands that I thought were great um and I think that's that's important though you grow over the years and then that, that sort of developed into poetry and then that got better over the years but um 
especially in high school and things like that, we weren't really a school that had, you know, a big poetry workshop or anything. I think it's great they do it now, as far as I know, anyway. But um, I think we read a total of two poems. There was um, one famous poem, I'll Give You an Onion, that Valentine's poem by, um, oh, I'm showing how bloody out of experience I am here. But, um, <laughs> a very famous poet who I'll get rinsed for not knowing. But yeah, it was uh, it was that poem. And uh, to be fair, there was a John Cooper Clark poem, which I really enjoyed as well. But that was about it. We spent about half a day on it, and that was that. And as ignorant as it sounds, I generally believe poetry was a thing that, well, that was hundreds of years ago, poetry. It doesn't really happen now, does it? And it, of course, it very much does. But in a, funny enough, it's a comparison to punk rock. It's one of those things where when you discover it, you go, why isn't this more popular? This is fantastic. Everybody that does this is incredible. I can't believe this isn't more popular. Um, so in terms of writing, I ended up, um, I was working as a foundryman at the time. Um, nice plug for my full collection in 2023, Foundry Songs, which is a bit more about working as a foundryman for like 10 years in the Midlands. But um, I ended up putting myself through university for a creative writing degree. Um, very lucky that I got screenplay. Um, the BBC invited me in to pitch uh, and discuss it with some producers. But what I learned there was my first lesson in um class structures if you like not to not to get on a you know soapbox yeah. here but <laughs> it's one of those things where this is very good can you be available at an hour's notice anytime we call you well no because i've got a job and i work 10 hours a day so <laughs> and then yeah. that door very promptly closes you know <laughs> yeah and no, i've had i've had same problem myself sometimes stuff like that you do because i know uh, i know i can remember when amanda was um amanda ended up on bbc oh um Oh, we call it now the BBC Greater Manchester, where they had um, the one their upload program, and they and based yes. there. I remember, I remember them ringing her when. Long story short, I was um I was isolating like year before last, and I remember that because um she was in the middle of her work in herself, and she got the phone call at home, and she couldn't believe it. That's why I just and sometimes it's it's trying to get hold of people sometimes, isn't it? So it really is, and it, it can be deflating. I mean, I, I did spend a day there, but um, it's. <laughs> I didn't have a lot of money, so I put on the best cheap pair of jeans I could find, the nice jacket, which was a tattered leather jacket that I had. And I just sat in the room, and it's just that weird thing. Immediately I sat there, I just thought, I do not belong in this room. Like There was nothing against the other writers there, but a lot of them were very well spoken, very well turned out, and I, just, I felt like a bit of a fraud as soon as I sat down. <laughs> it's very yeah. disheartening. But to, to be like you said, to Amanda, to get that far, I mean, they get thousands of application things. So it's it's amazing that to even get that as an achievement. It's just unfortunate, like you said, that there's not more opportunities, really, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm always believing in that one straight away because it's not like looking at your bio, you've you've had you've had, you've had some good opportunities, certainly, because I was the one that caught my eye before when I was looking at your bio was the pushcart prize where you got an you got a nomination for that. So tell us about that then. I'm interested in interested in learning how you got that then. Yeah, and I said that actually ties in with the, the musicality with the poems that I've done for this collection. Ah, so, right. so it was um it was this is a good thing. I mean, the Pushcart Prize and the poem it was nominated does link quite well with Cancer and Pop Punk, uh, this musical pamphlet I'm doing at the moment. So um at the beginning of my poetry, I was writing on a lot of websites, poetry groups, and maybe other poets can relate to this. It was rewarding at first, but after all, it becomes a thing where everyone just goes, Oh, this is great. And nobody gets any better that way. So I made friends with a few poets who really challenged me and were critical of some of the things I tended to do. And one of the things they said I tended to do was I didn't like to be open and raw about personal things. It's It was all very sort of all surface, no feeling, to quote a Manic Street Preacher song. And um, 
I really wanted to push myself. And the poem that got nominated was a poem about um, a great album I, I've always loved, um, R.E.M.'s Automatic for the People. I don't know if you listened to it, Andy, or if you know it. Yeah, but, uh, that was, uh, was that the one that had done Losing My Religion? Or was it all that album before? It's not. That was the album before, I believe. It was, was, yes. This one yeah. that had every... Everybody Hurts on it. Yeah, got it. Yeah, yes, now the album now. Yeah, I would have known the moon. Yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah so... It. I, I offset that with, it's a very formative album to do with um, a friend of mine who I lost um, in high school, um, who unfortunately took his own life and losing uh, an, my ex-partner of eight years to cancer. And what I did was I used the album's template and track listing as as a sort of bedding for the poem, like the spine of it. And I, I in between, I'd write this quite raw stuff about losing someone and, um, you know, cross-referencing the fact that every time I listen to that album now, I think about my friend that I lost, I think about my ex-partner, and it all sort of brings it back every time I listen to it. Um, and that poem's actually in Cancer and Pop Punk now. Um, uh, so I was very fortunate that I got put it with an American press who just, they liked it, they asked if they could put it out, and um, about six months later, they just happened to mention that um, they, they nominated it for the Pushcart Prize because it had got quite a, bit of, um, quite a bit of movement online. I mean, indie poetry online buzz so really realistically that's like 10 people but still i was very happy with it. <laughs> uh, but yeah it was very nice to get nominated if nothing else i mean it's something that you can put in your twitter bio that people go oh that's nice and then you know that's about it but i was very lucky to do that and the important thing from there is i learned a valuable lesson that it's important to sometimes surround yourself by people that go you can do better on this draft you can push yourself a bit you're not being you're not being very raw here. And that poem was the sort of bedrock for what became cancer and pop punk as well because um when broken sleep uh, contacted me about doing a collection it was originally a full length um and they very kindly said you could do a pamphlet as well like anything you'd like to do and i said i'd really like to do something where um I will, first of all i want to call it cancer and pop punk um <clears throat> and i want the proceeds at least my the author royalties anyway they all go to charity uh, it goes to a wonderful organization called widowed and young uh, it's a very small charity in derby that helps widows get over the grieving process uh, communicate a bit more, start being a bit more social. Um, it's only a small charity, but I think that was a really important thing to do. So I'm really happy with doing that. Um, the whole theme of the collection really is connecting music to grief because um, it's a very odd thing, but I noticed the more people I lost and the more the more tragedy there was in my life, if you like, not to get too melodramatic about it. Uh, when people would talk about people I'd lost, I found myself like going la 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 and like covering my ears and just, I couldn't even acknowledge it. Um, so it's a very odd thing that these intrusive thoughts would stick in my head like a pop song, if you like, and they wouldn't leave. Um, so that's something I really wanted in the collection that it, it does grieve, but it also has this musical element where these intrusive thoughts just do not leave your head, almost like the chorus of a song. Um, even if you don't like the song, you know, those songs that just stay in your head. I wanted it to be a bit like that. Yeah, yeah. No, of course, I agree with you completely. It's what I've seen your work, Dean. That's why I'd agree. That's why it's, yeah, I agree with you completely. Like, you've got a great musical element to your words. And it's music almost like, it's words almost like the music side of things. You're not getting completely with it, so. That oh, one. thanks, so, mate. Yeah, and also yeah. it's it's weird because with Cancer and Pop Punk, the main reason I called it Cancer and Pop Punk, uh, it doesn't always reference pop punk music. There's R.E.M., there's a hundred other bands I reference in there. But the idea of these, this sort of, this sort of music here on the radio that even if you don't like it, it doesn't leave your head. And it can get really frustrating, like an earworm. It just doesn't leave. So I wanted it to be like that. So the main reason for calling it cancer and pop punk, despite the fact it references a lot of musical genres, was that reason that I feel it's the one genre of music that just doesn't leave your bloody head. So Yeah, no, no, great. Excellent stuff, mate. Like, how long did it take to do this collection? Was it quite a while to write or did it come fairly quickly when you got going with it? Fairly quickly when I got going with it. Um, I'd been, to be honest, I'd been, as you know yourself, obviously somebody who writes 
you know, very consistently for the last, you know, 10, 15 years or so, at least. I know you've been writing for a long time, mate. Um, yeah, I was, working a, I, was, I was working on a full length collection. This is for Broken Sleep in 2023. And I just wanted to stop because I felt I was like hyper focusing on it. I said I wanted to do something a bit more experimental and something completely different. And that was cancer and pop punk. So from concept to, to finish, it probably took about three months, but um, which is, I, I, I do feel it was good to sort of, it was a bit more freeing to be able to have a bit more freedom and be a bit more experimental. Um, and weirdly enough, because it was for a good cause, I did feel, not that there was less pressure, but I did feel right, I can be a bit more experimental, like a bit, a bit more free-flowing. And there's no point in calling a collection cancer and pop punk if you're not going to really sort of dig in a bit and talk about some of your personal stuff, if you like. So um, it, it, it came a bit faster than I expected it to, to be honest. And uh, within a couple of edits, obviously, um, Aaron Kent, who runs Broken Sleep Books, he helped with the editing, wonderful editor. And uh, before we knew it, we had, a, we had a collection that everyone's quite happy with. So I was well chuffed with how it went, to be honest, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, completely. And um, how did you find that meet your publisher then? Well, Broken Sleep is quite a funny one because um, the, the guy who runs the press, Aaron, I've, I've known him since he ran a press, a very small press called I Came Here Looking for a Fight. Um, oh, what a name for a press. <laughs> oh, isn't it? That's funny. <gasps> wow. <laughs> That's why I submitted to them. So they, they put out very small handmade pamphlets, but um, I found their press and I was like, that, I have to submit to this press. And then I sent them, um, I sent them a submission, but unfortunately, <laughs> so the, the editor, Aaron, is a huge fan of Kanye West. Um, I'm not particularly, but I thought it'd be funny to do a Kanye West style submission. So I sent a submission. I'd had a few drinks and I thought it was funny. I sent a submission going, here's my godlike poetry. I'm the second coming to Jesus. You're going to want to put these out because they're incredible godlike poems. And I stole some of one of Kanye West's rants in the submission email, thinking he'd get the joke. Instead, he thought I was a moron. He thought he was actually the best poet in the world. So that didn't Whoops. work out very well. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Oh, well, you live and learn, don't you? <laughs> yeah. But Stay up. To Good. It's a lesson there, everybody. When you're doing submissions to publishers, don't get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously I did not think that at all I thought everyone would get in on the joke but unfortunately that left a bad taste I think for a while luckily for years of just writing and submitting places I knew Aaron quite well <laughs> anyway um, and Broken Sleep that's something he started I think it's about three years ago now and he's just had this huge huge growth they've published some incredible stuff they've won some awards and um, if I've, he very kindly just got in touch and said I think it's about time you put something out and you know it should be with us which is very kind of him um it's probably one of the few presses in the UK where they can really just go, we like that person's writing, we're going to put it out. Um, obviously, you want to sell a lot of books in any business, but I do feel they're one of the few presses that are truly sort of, we are putting this out because we like it. Of course, we want it to sell well, but the important thing is we think it's different and great and we're going to put it out. Um, so they're a very fascinating press in that sense. And um, yeah, to be honest, it just comes from, as you know, Andy, some of the connections you make just from years of being about publishing in magazines, submitting places. And um, so it was nice that it came from that instead of, um, you know, some random, I mean, you know, the poetry agents, things like that. I don't even know if they exist, to be honest. It was, I think I'm very fortunate that Aaron is a big a champion of working class writers. He comes from quite a similar background to me, so I think he just wanted to he wanted to give me a shot, I think, more than anything, to be honest, which is very kind of him. Um, I know they get a lot of submissions, and I know he has to read for a lot of stuff, and it's done pretty much a one-man show, I believe. Maybe there's a handful of other people, so apologies in advance if there is, but uh, 
it's it's incredible what they get done at that press. So I'm very proud to be part of it and to be able to put some money towards a good cause. But yeah, weirdly enough, um, it comes from me making a complete titter myself in an email years ago and clearly made an impression bad or good. <laughs> no, brilliant. I think you're right that with a lot of coach press I know. I do know one or two that obviously have extra people helping them. But yeah. you know, a lot of it is down to the efforts of one person usually. And the same goes to the podcasting world, really, because uh, this is just this is just me, really. Well, what Amanda Moy helps li- listens back to things occasion for me. But you know, like you said, everything you do, like I think it's it's the good thing the poetry is a grassroots level. This applies to you straight away. Is it's all just you basically. You're unfiltered, uncensored a lot of the time. Yeah, exactly. And it is fascinating because I was my big worry of mine was always that I would never sort of do well with a poetry crowd, if you like. But what I find fascinating is people that have snippets of it. It's all people I grew up with, uh, or people that don't read poetry that I know that have picked it up and gone, "Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know that poetry was like this." I think a lot of people still have the idea in their head of poetry being about like some Shakespearean sonnet or a poem about some you know chestnut tree in Oxford or something because it's it's always there. It sort of permeates through. It can be something that people can just relate to. You know, it's especially with cancer and pop punk, like I wanted to make sure that poetry, you know, a lot of the big poems, they tend to be about someone being hero, someone being heroic, someone being great. I wanted to admit that I can be, in times of like grief and trauma and bad things happening, like I can be a bit of a coward, I can mess up, I can be a bad person. And obviously that's relatable. So what I found so far in the feedback is it's nice for people to read something that's hopefully honest. I think if anything else, I'm proud that it's very honest, if nothing else. Yeah, that's what I like. That's what I like what you're doing, and that's what I like about your work. Yeah, is the honesty behind it because what you see is what you get with you. You're not like it's my case. I can malign it some poetry, but <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> but I'm very clever what I say, right? So, so long. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose you've no. had the same idea. Have you, have you ever written something you'd be like, oh man, this is a bit too close to the bone? I almost don't want people knowing this about me, but maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that means you're in a good zone for writing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Using my coward days to hide them, right? But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, seriously. Um, I've got something out later on this year myself for the publisher. Not, not a collection. I've got a poem out with them on their bit of anthology. They're quite a good publisher, and it's about um, dyspraxia because um, I'm I'm read, I've, I've got registered dyspraxia when I was 28, and it was like, and I wrote I wrote about that, and I remember reading that. I've read that one out a few places, and everyone said to me, "Love the honesty behind it." And then we came myself afterwards. It was all true, but I, I was a bit really twitchy about sharing it. And you do sometimes and pick poetry that honest for yourself, don't you? So. It really is. And I totally agree. And I'm so glad you wrote that because I had no idea, mate. And that's that's a fascinating thing for people to hear. But I'm sure, like you said, I mean, same with my REM poems. You guys, I, like for a while, it was just, oh, I can't believe I performed that. People know this now. It's such a weird feeling. But it's so rewarding when people come up and they're nice about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, completely, mate. I agree with you completely with that one. So, right. OK. Um, obviously, um, people are wondering, obviously, the collection's out on the 28th of February. But what I always like asking that, as we wind this part down, Dean, is uh, obviously, apart from the collection, do you have any, any any other sort of creative plans in motion at the moment? Anything else you can talk about? I do have, um, I mentioned it briefly, but I do have a full-length collection coming out with Broken Sleep in 2023 called Foundry Songs. Um, that's a bit more about just growing up uh, working-class lad in the Midlands, um, working in jobs that you know might be a bit dramatic but really destroy your body and your lungs i mean i've got i've got some breathing issues from breathing in some rather toxic fumes over the last 10 years or so when i was working those types of jobs um there's a little bit as well about just sort of the industry i mean i'll be the first to admit i did not perform well in school i'm not an academic person and 
Eddie, when I was, this is when I left school, which was like 2001, um, industry and factories were still something you could go into. And, you know, it was good, honest work. It was very hard work, but you could make a living out of it. And seeing that slowly disappear as I got into my mid to late 20s and early 30s. And I'm lucky I found copywriting, but it's a lot of foundry songs is about sort of well, where do I go now? What What is there in the world? Uh, and it's it's that idea of just trying to figure out who you are in the world, if you like, which, you know, is not, it's not the most unique concept in the world, but I'm very proud of what we've written. So that'll be coming out in... 2023 i believe and that'll be a full length from uh broken sleep books we'll, we'll um, get we'll get you back in next year to talk about that then definitely. oh bless yeah. you mate thank you yeah. <laughs> and I'll, I'll have 200 questions about that <laughs> the time, so. fantastic so everyone's wondering that might that might go into about four parts that interview dean definitely sounds good we'll release a special edition directed by peter jackson i've worked four different ends <laughs> we've got elvis and rob hopefully the sound bit now obviously to conclude dean obviously today then mate Obviously, where can people get your collection from, first of all? So, yeah, um, Cancer and Pop Punk is available to pre-order now, although, as you said, it's not released to the 28th of February. Uh, you can get it at brokensleepbooks.com. I'm sure it's going to be available on all the other channels once it does launch, but, you know, um, I would implore everyone to help out a really good press and buy it directly from the press, obviously. Um, I don't care about climbing Amazon rankings or indie press rankings or anything like that. I just want to see a good press do well. And obviously I would like to see it sell well because all of the money's going to a really good cause. But if nothing else, I just implore people to support independent presses that really bust their backsides to put out challenging work that isn't particularly mainstream, but that, while it might not you know, end up on any bestsellers lists, it, it really encourages people to maybe pick up a pen or a keyboard themselves. And that's what it's all about, really, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah, I believe that straight away. It, does, it encourages the underground scene of PowerShell to keep going. No, definitely. Now, if people want to get in cold to you, Dean, or read up about you, where do you recommend they go? Now, that's interesting because, yeah, this has been a bane of contention for a while. I'm not the most online human being in the world. I've got social media, but I don't have a website with links to all my poems and stuff. That will change. Um, I've had it in the ear from several peers who I respect very much that it needs to happen <laughs> and people need to be able to find your stuff. Um, for now, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Dean uh, underscore rhetoric. That's about it at the moment for social media and things like that. Um, I'm doing a few interviews and a few podcasts leading up to the promotion, but um, in terms of actually finding links to my work, uh, I'm ashamed to say that unfortunately there's no place you can go and click on a load of different links here and there because um, I'm terrible at self-promotion. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that you, Dean. Like, yeah. you're, you're, you're as disorganised as I am sometimes. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah, exactly. So. You know, I'm sure you've had the same idea. People go, oh, where can I get a link to this, this new song you've done or this music you've done or this poem you've done? Oh, I've got a link somewhere. I'll email you maybe. I forget. You know? Yeah, more chance of me, I forget, right? So <laughs> I know exactly what I'm like. So anyway, Dean, what we'll do, mate, we'll wrap up part one for you, mate. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm going to give you as much time as you need to read out a few points for us. So it's been a pleasure today, mate. It's been great fun. So hang around, everybody, because Dean's brilliant. So we'll see you in part two. Thank you, Andy. Cheers, mate. Spoken, mate. Guys, yeah, still here with Dean. Still got sound problems, but we're here. So I'm going to shut up now and pass the mic over to Dean. Go for it, mate. Thank you very much, Andy. Okay, so uh, the first poem I'm going to read, this is from Cancer and Pop Punk, obviously. Um, very lucky that this was a semi-finalist in the Crab Creek Review Poetry Prize that was judged by uh, Maggie Smith. Um, this is part of Cancer and Pop Punk, and the title is uh, Love Letter to Your Animal Decomposition. <laughs> Count the times you've attended the death party of a bile duct. Statistically, you could be invited to one in every 1,200 gatherings. On average, it takes 12 months of radiation to change a photograph into a sympathy card, 
curling into the fire pit under your chin and swallowed like warm bread of pigmentation. On average, a friend will offer 20 minutes of emptiness, whispering about the dead and what a shame it is that we can't make them less dead. Lungs will be respectfully unbuttoned, hung safely with the catheter. The fruit platter, sentimental. The apple's eye, still seeding. The solitary pulse of a carnation. A wall, Jackson polyped by a fist. In the garden, a laughing child will be thrown at God by parents. In the hallway, a mother sobbing in the stretcher marks of a daughter's dress. This bile duct will stagger to your doorstep, late and upside down for grief, a drunken black effigy cackling on its arm. The backscatter of a passing hearse will throw envelopes of light at the open window, sealed love letters to your animal decomposition. I won't shout. I won't cry. I will make the opposite of a scene. It's getting loud outside and your silence has everywhere to be. Um, as an aside, that poem is basically about um, losing a loved one and um, for some reason imagining the actual cancer uh, showing up at the party as sort of a drunk unwelcome guest. Um, uh, so that's a nice little imaginative, imaginative very gothic-like poem, I guess. Yes, yes, really powerful that one, mate. Did you, actually, did you actually get a chance to meet Maggie Smith during that nomination thing then, did you? I did not. I would have loved to have done that, but it was very much, uh, you know, 20 or so poets got selected uh, by her, 15 got in the issue that was printed. I was one of those lucky enough to, uh, and then they chose an eventual winner. But no, I never had any communication. It would have been nice, though. It would have been nice. That would have been a nice little um, connection to make. Oh, yeah, completely. I then um, I entered uh, some competition myself in the horror story thing last year, and people read it, can read up this dead easily, where I ended up um, on quite a lot of writers. Um, Ramsey Campbell, have you heard of him, the Welsh horror writer? Yes, selected, yes. Yes. Selected me in the top three, and I'll send you over the comment. You can read, you can hear it. Please, and what please. he said, and it's it's a really depressing piece that I wrote. <laughs> but, but not that it's fit complete fiction. But um, it's basically he, he gives some incredible praise on it, and you can hear it. And I'm sat there thinking, oh my god, like, OMG, completely in it. So <laughs> you do oh, so you get little things that you get little things like that. It's like it just gives you confidence, right? Boost sometimes as writers to general with anybody. So Benil Dean. That was a tremendous piece, mate. So I loved it. Okay, let's move move straight on because we're here all night after it, otherwise. What's your second one, mate? <laughs> second one is called Donation Box. Uh, sticking to the theme of rather morbid stuff. This is um, a person more recently in my life. I had to go to hospital for a procedure, again, to do a cancer. And um, it's about uh, letting your mind sort of walk away with you. So uh, anyway, it's called Donation Box. <clears throat> when I took off your clothes... I hoped the tumour would come with them. For a while, I even believed it to be true. The washing machine started to lose weight. The threads of your favourite jumper began falling out in clumps. I cut my hands across the impression of your stomach in the mattress to soundproof it from flipping when the doctors called. I practised how my footsteps would beat yours to the telephone how I'd nail what they cut out of you to the front door as a warning to other ailments. Sometimes I'd hear movement in the kitchen and find your jeans kick-thumping with mine in the dryer. At night, your gloves would scuttle up the bedpost as I slept, one covering my mouth, the other between my legs, checking. And um, this final poem that I'll be reading 
is wow. a six. Wow, that, that second one, that second one's grim, but it's powerful, definitely, right? Oh, mighty. Wow. Anyway, listen, go straight to the third one, mate. We'll talk more in a minute. No worries. Thank you, mate. Um, this is another part of Cancer and Pop Punk, obviously, and in the collection, it all kind of goes as one long-form poem, but uh, this section is called Fighting Styles of Cancer. <clears throat> catch is catch-can style, Greco-Roman style, amateur style, professionally, in a cage, in the garden, Rose or Madison Square, appreciation style, prayer style, good fiber style, so brave style, so far so good style, so what style, new home style, strong oak style, surgical style, MOT style, back alley tinker style, blame God style, bubblegum pop style, swift style, Bowie style, secretly, shake it off style, Kanye style, storming your stage two and insisting someone else deserves it more style, sing around the piano style, Greek chorus style, concept album style, cat scan style, church mouse style, dog sadness and sewing needle style, tropic of style, arcade style, marketing agency style, no tears formula style, salt of the earth style, good lad style, wishing you all the best style, Humble as a beef and mustard sandwich style, spaghetti western style, sing-along style, with a diagnosis, big and loud style, a shock. Thank you. Oh, tremendous, mate. That's great use. That is, Emery's into rhythm sort of poetry. The repetition there is absolutely spot on there, Demon, I thought, because I think sometimes, and you you know this yourself and you other people, when you do that sort of rhythm and the repetition in poetry, can complete, you can overdo it sometimes. But you had that oh, yeah. perfect, you're perfect then, mate. You can see that was really well thought out then immediately. Oh, good man. Thank you very much, Andy. I really appreciate that. You're very yeah. kind, mate. I'm <laughs> always on, kind and honest. I'm aware <laughs> anyway, right? So, anyway, Dean, listen, mate, hang around anyway. I do need to talk to you off mic. But I want to thank you again for today, mate, and good luck with the collection. Like before, Evan said, it's a very well worth collection as by picking up, definitely. So, I'm going to try and get a copy of myself, definitely, when I get into February and March as well. So, thank you again, mate. And I look no forward to hopefully meeting you soon in person as well. Because Very we'll soon. Are you uh, whiskey and diet coke, mate? And I do appreciate yeah. you having me on. Thank you so much, mate. Sounds good to me, mate. Right. <laughs> as Don Callis says over at Impact Wrestling, I know Dean is a wrestling fan as well. <laughs> I, know, I don't know if you know what he's saying he comes out with, actually, at all, Dean. He's one of his saying is, and I always use it, always use this to finish off Spoken Naval, is stay safe and stay over. So we'll Absolutely see you all next, love it. See you all next time, guys. Spoken Naval.